praise the name of the Lord with so many things out there that tempts us and challenges us to continue our commitment to the Lord. How many know there are things designed to hinder your commitment to the things of the Lord? There is. There's so many things out there. And sometimes we have to discern the good between the God, right? Amen. Not everything that's good for you is God. Amen. But if it's God, it's good. <laughs> Amen. I think you can leave just on that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that confirmation right there. God, let me seek you because what you give me is good, but not everything good is God. And so we want to get into the word this morning. Um, pastorally, I believe it's important that uh, we equip the church for its assignment. I think it's important that in equipping you for your assignment, it doesn't mean that I neglect your personal issues and struggles. I think sometimes when you focus on your personal issue, it makes you miss the bigness of God to deal with your personal issue. We have a nation, we as a nation, excuse me, are very individualistic. It's really about what is best for me. And you can't really blame that being Americans, that's something that's part of the sin nature. It happened in the Garden of Eden. So um, we just have the resources to manifest it more than other nations. Can someone say amen? And so freedom comes with burden and with benefits and with blessings, right? How many know God didn't create robots? Sometimes we wish he did. <laughs> but God didn't in his design. He created people to worship and honor him. And so as I share with you this morning, if you're taking notes and you need a title, it is building off what I shared last week where I talked about build your life. And all week, as soon as that message was over and I was processing as pastors do and preachers do, they, they go back over their message and say, okay, who did I offend? Could I have said it differently? Who is leaving the church now? You know what I mean? And the worst thing is to go on Facebook and see what, you know, Michael Todd did. You know what I mean? Because it makes it feel real small. And, um, and so the moment when service was over, I went back and, and the Lord really just hit me with something. He says, yeah, it, it's build your church. Excuse me, it's build your life. But he also said, for those who receive the message you shared, Ro, those who actually embrace he's Lord of their lives. He's actually saying, I will build your life. He actually shows that there's a difference between just God and you just building your life as an individual who, who accepted Jesus as your, as your personal Savior. But it doesn't really mean that he is the Lord of your life. And so in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus makes it very clear. He says, why do you call me something and don't obey me? That's what he said. He goes, why, why, why do you do that? Uh, one person wrote that the reason why he did it was because it was unintentional. In Luke six forty six, the question is asked, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I tell you to do? That's a hard truth if we would admit it, Right? And this particular uh, writer in this blog or this article I was reading, he, he, he said this. He said, the reason why was when I gave my heart to the Lord, he called it conversion. Uh, 
He says, no one told me how to make him Lord. It was unintentional. Like, I, did, I didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't like I said, God, I don't want you to be Lord. Nobody told me that when I gave my heart to Jesus, that I don't make him Lord, that he's already Lord of my life. So they gave me half of the gospel for fear of offending the rest of me. And so we have to be careful because God didn't make robots. God made us a whole person. And so Jesus is making the statement. He's being so prophetic, but he's bringing such a real uh, 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 assessment to our lives that he says he's got to be Lord of your life. He's got to be Lord of all of your life. The reason why this is important is because um, Matthew's version of this particular sermon on the plain, which Luke calls it, or what we label it, is the sermon on the plain because he left the mountain and came down to the plain and he was preaching it there. Uh, and Matthew talks about the sermon on the mount because he was on the mount. In Matthew's version, I don't know if you want to read Matthew because Matthew makes it a lot more deeper. Remember I told you that you have to know the audience of which the gospel writers were writing to when Luke was writing to a Roman, a, a, a Greek uh, excuse me, a, a Gentile nation. Um, John writes to to a Greek uh, audience, and and Luke is writing to a Gentile uh, a nation, and Mark writes to a Roman. But Matthew, he's writing to the Jews, and so and so Matthew puts it this way. Matthew says, um, Jesus uh, said, "Why do you call me um, Lord, Lord, and don't do things that I do?" And he says this. He says, "Many of you will come and say, Lord, didn't we do this in your name?" And he says, "I don't even know you." I want it to sink in for just a minute. I don't, I don't even know you. But we did all these things, Lord. And he says, I don't even know you. The one who knows all things is telling us, I don't even know you. So obviously he's not talking about he has no knowledge of you. That's not what he's talking about. What he's really saying is that, is that you thought that doing these things is really equivalent to him being Lord of your life. And so he wants us to understand this because um, here's the real thing. Because Jesus says that I will build my church and it's impossible for just to build this church and not to build your life. Because you are the church. Someone say, I'm the church. And so Jesus is saying that I will build your life because you are the church. You are called that one. And so in this message, I, I pray I've set the tone because... Um, I'm, I'm curious to hear what, what all preachers and pastors and those privileged with a mic, what they're going to share in, in the current uh, place that we are as a nation. And so I introduce um, Luke 6, 46, and we're going to be looking at 47 as well. But in my introduction, I, I want to first make some, some statements that we are living in a confused world. We're living in a confused world. Perhaps if I would read your email, you would say, we're living in a confused home. We're living in a conflicted society. Um, we can't even talk anymore for fear of saying the wrong things. We are living in a challenging culture. 
Am I speaking to anybody right now that can, that can say you're speaking right to me? You're, you're, I'm in agreement with, with, with that. And we're faced in a climate of crisis. I don't know about you, but being a pastor since 2019, especially 2020 and now 2021, uh, I'm so glad my hair already fell out. You know what I mean? I'm so, I'm so glad of that because 2020 I was doing this. Lord Jesus. I got folks walking in saying, you better preach this. <laughs> God help me. It's, they don't care whether it's Bible or not. Just preach this challenging culture, this confused world, this conflicted society, this climate of crisis. And now it's all things coronavirus. And because of these things I've just listed, it only takes a whisper from the enemy for his lies to widen the divide in this nation. He doesn't have to shout anymore. Before he had to shout to get his cultural corrupting ideology in. Now we just got to whisper. And we are divided as a nation. I love this nation. It was so amazing to receive in the mail my official voters registration. Hung it up like, praise God. Check they had the right address in the right location. Come on, somebody. I love this nation. And God loves this nation. And I want you to write this down or tattoo this on your body or whatever. I want you to write this down. He is building his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. If I can just take a praise break and if somebody wants to join me right there. And giving God praise and glory because upon this rock. In a confused world, I'm building my church. In a conflicted society, I'm building my church. In a challenging culture, I'm building my church. In the climate of crisis. And yes, even in the midst of COVID-19, I am building my church. And as opposed to God giving a whisper, he wants to give his church a voice. God loves this nation. He loves every nation of the world. There are believers everywhere who have not bowed to the pressure of a confused world, conflicted society, challenging culture, climate of crisis. Are you hearing me, church? There are people who are saying, God, you build your church so you can build my life. I give it over to you. And so Jesus then gives us the answer because he realizes this. And listen to me here, careful. Uh, this divide that is being experienced all over the world, but it's being felt here, is demonic. To the unchurched, I don't know why we label them that. But to the unchurched, you may think, what in the world are you talking about? But to those who have discernment, this divide is demonic. By the real enemy, 
Satan. That's who the enemy is. And if we take our eyes off of him, he then will lead us to conclusions that continue to cement a mindset that damages the soul of this nation. Let me be careful when I say, don't take your eyes off him. I'm not, I didn't say to worship him. I said, you only worship God. Come on. You see, he wants you to give him your affection so he distracts you from worship of God. You want to keep your eye on him because you're not ignorant of the devil's devices. That's what I mean by saying keep your eyes on him. But for those who come in agreement with the whispers and the lies of the enemy, what they have done is, is by a deliberate action of a humanistic mindset, what they have done is that they have physically affected the direction and the scope of how we see this world. And the result is we now categorize people. Mm -hmm. We categorize them, biblically speaking, I'm saying, not, 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 not socially, but biblically speaking, there's simply one race, human race. Biblically speaking. But the reality is, is that God has made nations of peoples. So there is different people, and, and we must acknowledge that, and with different experiences and different cultures and different ways of living. We have to, we have to acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge both the pain and the gain that has come to us as a people. I believe that's biblical. But not to the place where the enemy deliberately uses people to move us into a categorize of people. Because biblically, can I be biblical this morning and take my time? Uh, because what happens if, if we categorize people, we, 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 what we do then is, is we miss moments uh, to really bring them the whole gospel. And so what happens is... Is, is when we do that, we, we move them from understanding you're either a sinner or you're either a saint. Biblically speaking, that is. Biblically speaking. And so if you're religious, Jesus called them sinners the same way. It didn't matter how long their robe was. It didn't matter what they did in the temple. It didn't matter what, what they would perceive to be their heritage or what they were birthed into. If you didn't know God, if you didn't know God, he said, you're a sinner. And he offered hope. So I've come to save the world from their sin. Another place to take a praise break on the goodness of Jesus and all he's doing. And so from my own psyche, I know what you do, but from my own psyche, I have to continue to remember that he called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And what it means is that not that I'm, it's not that I'm perfect, but I want to be consistent. And so... What we have done is, is, is because, because of the pressure of a confused world and because of the pressure of a conflicted society, it has led to a tremendous amount of pressure that's affecting us mentally, emotionally, and physically. We have yet, and I don't think there is a, a method to measure the, 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 the secondary 
uh, uh, afflictions of what we're going through in a pandemic. I don't think it's possible. We have yet to see. I think it might be 10 years down the road where we see the effects of what's going on now. And the reason why institutions can't project is because they don't have access to what the believer does. Because we have the ability, come on, to be able to, to look at the book and be able to seek the God who knows what's going on. And so, and so we have then the responsibility to preach the gospel. So that people who have been told you need a pill can also be told you have power. And not to offend the reality of the medical, but to also not limit the miraculous. Come on, we can do two things at once, can't we? Right, right. We, we, we got to get to a place, church, hear me now, that we do two things at the same time. We can chew gum and walk at the same time. We've got to be able to recognize the need of the mental issue, but at the same time, give them the power of the gospel to sustain them. Because you see, we have a serious problem. For if the church is silent, everybody loses. I don't care what aisle you're on. If the church doesn't have a voice, the whispers, the lies of the enemy that he's telling your children and he's telling you right now, the whispers will affect the soul of this nation and everybody loses. You see, if I would, if we leave things the way they are, we see an environment filled with chaos. And that's why I preached, order your private world. Because there's chaos abounding. And what I love is that it was in this environment that Jesus showed up. Oh, come on. And when Jesus was walking the earth, he was facing the same things, the divide, the political, the religious. He was facing the exact same thing. He was facing leprosy and people who were sick and people who were demonic. He was facing the exact same thing. And it was in this environment, God says, come now, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In an environment of filled with chaos, Jesus came with the word. He came to order your private world. That's good for somebody right there. How many of you are glad he ordered your private world? Come on, how many of you know that you are believing the lies of the enemy, but Jesus came now and Jesus ordered your private world and Jesus says the chaos is causing confusion. The chaos is causing a conflicted society. The chaos is causing you to be challenged by this culture. You need to be light and salt in the earth because if the church is silent, the whispers of the enemy will grow louder. And for a generation who wasn't born during 9-11, my God, can you imagine 20 years of the Lord Terry, what they will be walking in? And so Jesus now comes and he preaches the message of the gospel. And I'm here to tell you that if you look at every single issue, if I would ask you right now, write an issue that you're facing or your friend is facing or your family is facing. If you write this issue down, I would be able to say, I believe with full confidence, that that issue is either personal to you or it's popular in society. 
It's either personal to you, because once it's not personal, it doesn't affect me. But the moment it becomes personal, you even are willing to challenge the Word of God, because now it's personal. And that's normal, because life happens. Come on. And so because we know that to be normal, because we know that when we meet people, the deep issues that affect them are either personal to themselves, what they've experienced, whether it's trauma or whatever it is, what happens now when it comes to the word of God, all of a sudden now they got to hit a pause button because they have to be able to regulate the chaos in their private world. Mm-hmm. And so what happens now is, is we either pick what's popular to society or what's personal to us. And that's why the preaching of the gospel is so important. Because everyone that graces the seat right now, watching online, that's where you're sitting right now. And you judge the message and the experience based on whether it did something for you. Not whether God was glorified, but what it did for you in meeting your needs. And what happens sometimes is because God knows the end of your life from the beginning. Stay with me now. Because God knows the end of your life from the beginning. God would do something in the present. Come on. That you're upset about because you don't know what's in the future. And we argue the present with God because God is saying, please, I am Lord of your life. I know exactly the end from the beginning. Hey, and if you sit in the tension, oh God, of what I'm doing and give me praise so I can have it your world, I'll give you revelation for your experience. Oh God. Then you will say all things work together for good to those who love God, call the cord to his purpose. So when you are going through the storm and the struggle and people are telling you to quit, you tell them I can't quit. Are you out of your mind? God knows what he's doing in my life and I'm going to stay right here in the goodness of God because here is the deal. Not everything good is God, but everything that's God is good. And so all things work together for good. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos, I have to have a voice because the enemy is whispering lies to create divide. Yeah, and so then we get preachers preaching what's popular and not what's filled with power. Took the bait, come on, of your tension and willing to compromise the truth of the gospel for you to get a pew. Come on, somebody. Mm -hmm. So therefore, Jesus comes and he wrecks all that. He ruins all that. He throws over the tables. He says, get that stuff out of here. He says, unless you, unless you eat my flesh and, and drink my blood. They're like, what are you, a cannibal? Like, what, what do you mean? He says, you thought it was just physical food. You're just fine because you want the physical food. You saw the miracle that I did. You see that I'm feeding you physically. But the soul is perishing. And this nation, I'm telling you right now, if we don't get to the soul issue, if we don't get to the spiritual issues that's going on, the enemy will feed your flesh until you become fat and sassy. Come on. And become complacent. And we go down everybody. So the church, we can't afford to be silent. We got to speak in the midst of the tension. How many of you feel in tension in the atmosphere? 
atmosphere right now. Come on. There is tension everywhere. I go to work. There's tension. I stay home. There's tension. In my house, there's tension. Take the needle. Don't take the needle. Wear the mask. Don't wear the mask. Do this. Don't do that. We're so divided living in this tension. And we got people compromising. And so, you walk into the church and says, can someone please tell me what to do? Someone gave me a book, says, where is God in the coronavirus world? And I said, what? I don't have to read the book. He's on his throne and he's still in control. Come on, somebody. I'll still read the book, but I'm here to answer the question that was asked by the title. He's still on the throne. Is there anybody who believes he's still on the throne? Come on, somebody. That's why we can't do normal song service anymore. Come on, somebody. If you have experienced coronavirus, you better open up your mouth and give God praise and glory and say, God, thank you. You saved my life in the midst of COVID. I saved my life. Oh, God, if you haven't got it, praise him. If you got it, praise him because he's still on the throne. Jesus preached this to them. Come on, church. You need God's grace for both. Why are we divided? We need grace. It's like a plague now to be sick. And you would think that would fill the church because Jesus says, come on to me, all you. You would think we say, God, thank you for opportunity. See, you've got to have a mind of God to understand that, that you don't go and ask for it. But if the devil is bad enough to come on to try to bring that on you, you got to be like Job. Come on, somebody. Naked I came out and naked I'll return. What the Lord gives, the Lord takes. But I will praise the name of the Lord forever. I hear the Lord telling someone, you got to handle the tension. Come on, you got to handle the tension. You got to handle it. Don't call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say. That's the tension. Don't, don't do that. If I'm Lord of your life, I'm Lord of all of your life. So I want you now to understand that when you judge a sermon moving forward, it must have these in them. When you judge a sermon, I didn't say criticize a sermon. I said judge a sermon. Uh-huh. See, the Berean brethren, it says in the book of Acts, studied the scriptures. And you knew it was, you know it's the Old Testament they were talking about, right? Because it wasn't, New Testament wasn't written yet. So the Old Testament is part of God's word. Uh-huh. And the number one thing that after you hear a sermon or a message or a conversation in the midst of the tension, someone say tension. You must always lead with this. How do I trust God in this tension? So this message, I, I have an issue. It's a personal issue. It's, it's the increase of gas price or, or, or I need finances or, or whatever it is, whatever the tension that you're facing in the reality of life being a human at the end of any conversation that's going to move us into a place of where we make him Lord is where we say, God, how do you want me to trust you in this then? This is so important because I believe this is this is not this is not scientific. This is this is Pastor Rowe um, asking God 
in this season, how do I minister to your people that I love deeply? In the tension that exists, how, how do I handle the, 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 the onslaught, the, the volcano eruption of people saying, I'm going to do what I want to do regardless? Like, that wasn't like that 20 years ago. But now I'm going to do what I want to do. God, how in the midst of that tension do I, do, 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 do I share your word? And God says, bro, at the core of it, it is not an issue of COVID. It's not an issue of, I know we make it bad. Um, and, and please understand, it's a serious thing, and I'm not, not minimizing that at all. Um, but our response to it is not an issue uh, politically or even religiously. It's not that. Um, it's really a question of confidence. It, it's, it's really a, a question of confidence. It's, it's where do you put your confidence in? At the core of it. If we move all the different things, if you move everything, if everything was stripped away, it really comes down to a confidence. What do you trust? Come on. Based on perhaps the information, based on your own research, it really comes down to, to minister play, a confidence thing of, of, of do I really trust what's being told to me? We know that to be the case because Jesus came and he says, have faith in God. That you have to begin with confidence. If you lose your confidence, then there weren't serious trouble. So, so the reason why I haven't responded in either way is because uh, my confidence has not yet uh, been won. My, my confidence is still uh, figuring things out. So because I'm no good at discerning things because I'm, I'm, I'm human, I have to go to a source bigger than myself then. So I can't, I can't, I can't stay down here with you for too long because you're in the same tension I'm in. You, you feel me? That you're in the same tension and, and perhaps you've reached your conclusion, uh, but I haven't. And so my prayer is this, in reaching your conclusion, I hope it's based on trust God from the scriptures. I hope that's what it is. And so God, give us the courage to stand firm. Mm. That, that because our confidence needs to, needs to be in you. Uh, the second thing is, after hearing a sermon, is how do you treat people? If you just heard a message from God, it should do something to you how you see people. You don't see him as a category anymore. You see him as a creation of God. That perhaps needs to become a child of God. And that's how you see, you begin first as a creation of God. But if they're not saved, they need to become a child of God. We owe that to them. Come on. And then the third thing is, it's not just trust God, treat people. It's, we have to be transparent and honest with ourselves. And so that's what I shared last week. That, that you don't want to become a hypocrite in the tension of you say you trust God and how you treat people. You don't want to become a hypocrite. And so Jesus preached that. And so, so, so every time you hear a sermon now, whether it's a podcast or whether it's me or, or anybody that's preaching, you want to end it by saying, thanks for the cute stories. You made me laugh. But at the end of it, how am I supposed to trust God? How am I supposed to treat people? 
Are you with me so far, church? Because you see, remember, there is a confused world out there. There is a conflicted society out there. That There is a challenge to the culture. And so we have to be able to come and say, these are three major areas of our life that we have to speak to when Jesus does this. So Jesus now says, okay, you got all those three things. Now he says, I'm now, because you made me Lord of your life, I'm going to build your life because I'm building my church. Ah, Now he says, I want you to move into an attitude, ready, of obedience. Ooh, someone say that word, obedience. Oh, it's, it's a good word. It's a good word. Because what he's really saying is, how can you call me Lord, Lord, and not obey what I tell you? So he's not emphasizing obedience. But the problem is that we have obedience up like this, and there's no support around it. So Jesus is saying, now, I will build your life because I know the materials that you need because I'm building my church. Someone say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. So he said, I want to build your life. Quit fighting me. He said, I want to build your life. I've got the right material. One of the great things that I love, I didn't ask them permission for this, but I got the mic in my hand and they love me, so I think I'll be okay. But I remember when um, uh, Vicky and John, they were building their home. And I was the neighborhood police watch. And, and I would drive by their home and I'm like, okay, it's looking good. And I saw one that's just dirt, nothing. And that's how when the sign came out, I'm like, ooh, they're going to build something there. And digging it out, and I would drive by, and I would call them, hey, I did a drive-by. And I would tell them, our house is coming together really well. And at one time, I saw the foundation, and everything was up, and there was a door. I said, can I go in? They're like, yes. I went in, and I'm looking around and, and everything like that, and, and it was awesome. It was awesome. And so I told John, I said, when the weather is getting colder like it is now, don't worry if you see me in your back with a fire going. You know what I'm saying? That's just, that's just pastoral back there, you know, doing this thing. Um, but I love seeing things built. I just love it because it, it just represents that there's life there. It represents that there's creativity there. That once there was nothing, but now something is building because there's a designer who sees things. And so although I don't see the whole complete thing, someone already saw the completed thing. Come on, somebody. And so while John and Vicky is living in the tension, come on, of it getting built, they got to trust that the blueprints, come on, are up to spec. And at the end of it, they give them the keys. It says, now I give you the keys. Come on. And so I love when things are being built. And so we start giving these material. And so obedience then needs things with it. Because here's the deal. He goes on and he says this. He says, he, he, he says everyone who comes to me, Luke 6, 47. He says, everyone. He doesn't say uh, black, white. He, he doesn't say tall, short. He says, Everyone. Who's right here. I'm preaching this message now. And I'm telling you right now that after I told you the sermon, how to trust God, treat people, be honest with yourself. He goes, now it's the issue of obedience. And he says, everyone. He didn't say, okay, now just this category of people. He says, no, everyone who comes to me. And here's my word. Now the whispers of the enemy come on. And does them, I will show them what he is like. And he goes on, and so he begins first, and before he gets to the building, he gets to the body. And he says, here's what we call life of obedience. You see, obedience has nothing to do with compliance. We got people going, you, you got to obey what they're saying. No, no, you want me to comply.
And if all you want me to do is comply, you'll threaten me. But if you want obedience, you'll go a little bit deeper. Come on. Mm -hmm. Because remember, I'm a people. I have to trust God. I got to watch how you treat people. Come on. And you got to be honest, right? And so, and so obedience has nothing to do with compliance, right? Because compliance is simply the action or fact of complying with a wish or a command. Or just following the rules. An example, I've heard this over and over again. And so, and so those who are parents, you tell Johnny, if your name is Johnny, no offense, but, but Johnny, I want you to sit down. Johnny, I'm not sitting down. Johnny, sit down. I'm not going to sit down. Johnny, if you don't sit down, I'm going to tear your skin. Oh. Was Johnny obedient or was Johnny complying? Uh-huh. Because you're afflicting a consequence on him. And so Johnny says, although I'm sitting down, I'm still standing up on the inside. You have not gone any further in what you just did. His behavior did not measure a belief system. And you can't legislate behavior. Come on. Not biblically. And so as a church, what we want is if we really believe something, you want to get to a place where you get people to obey, to have obedience. And with obedience, you have to have two other things with it. And Jesus recognized, I just don't want compliance with me. I don't want to be what the religious people was to you. I'm here to build your life. So why would I use a broken system to try to bring a new behavior? So Jesus now says the life of obedience, watch this now, because he goes and says in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, he says this. And Samuel said, 1 Samuel 15, 22, he was talking to Saul, who was the one who was the first king. And so God told Samuel what to tell Saul to do. And so Saul went ahead and Saul said, I obeyed you. And the prophet says, no, you tried to comply. He says, has the Lord, this is Samuel now saying, because of what Saul said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as obeying what? The voice of the Lord. So it tells me you cannot obey without hearing the voice of the Lord. And so the church, we must be prophetic in giving the voice of the Lord so people can trust what God is saying. Because he's building his church, he's building your life. And he goes, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen in the fat of rams. So here it is. So obedience is not just about compliance. This is it. Obedience has to do with truth and love. (laughs) So I don't want to be disobedient to any authority. Oh, come on. Because when your children learn obedience at home, they will learn obedience out in the street. Come on. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. So what you teach your children is not compliance to a rule. You teach them obedience to a relationship based in truth and love. And so Jesus comes on the scene now. He just messes everybody up because Jesus is not talking about rules. He's talking about fulfilling the law of love and the law of truth. And so he goes on now and he says, this is what it means. So Pastor Roja, then do I become... A person who hears the voice of the Lord so I can start obeying God with truth and love. Because it's coming in our society where we have to stand and obey God. But if we don't have truth or love, we'll either compromise or we will corrupt. Neither one of those are good. The moment you start seeing compromise... 
and you see corruption, there is a gap in the soul of a nation. And everyone will fall in if the church doesn't lift up its voice and says, how can the blind lead the blind? They will both fall into the ditch. And so we need some institution to open up their eyes. Come on. And to say obey because it will prevent you from collapse. So Jesus comes now, and let me end with this. Is they giving me the hint up on the, the platform. Luke 6, 47, are you there? He gives us three things we need to do to be able to hear the voice of the Lord so we can obey. Because in the issue of Saul, God is building his kingdom. Come on. And God says, I want to be your king. And the people say, we want a king like every other nation. Come on. And God was saying, I'm your king. I'm your Lord. And they said, we want a king like every other nation. God, listen to that. We want a king like every other nation who leads us in battle. We want a king who tells us what to do. And so Samuel writes it out and says, if you want a king, here's what's going to happen. But all from the beginning in Abraham, he said, kings will come out of you. So God already had in his mind that they were a kingship. He already had it. But because of the tension of what was around them, because of the, because of the confusion in the world, because of the conflict that's inside, watch this now. Come on. When, when, when Samuel was chosen, excuse me, when Saul was chosen to be king, there were other nations who had king that was fighting and, 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 and taking out kingdoms and empire. And they're like, we're scared. You know how many people, if you really ask them the truth, they would say, I'm terrified. I am scared I may get COVID and die. I'm scared a loved one may have it and die. And I don't know what to do in the tension of what's going on. Jesus comes on the scene. He preaches a message of how to trust God, treat people, be transparent with yourself. And he comes down and he says, you have to obey. And he says, obedience needs truth and love with it. He says, he let me lay down the foundation for you to be a people who hear the voice of the Lord. Church, the message is really simple. Not easy, but it's simple. Jesus gives us the three things that we need to be an obedient people. So we honor authority in all aspects without compromising our witness. He first comes and he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. 30. Write that scripture down. I'll give you a second to write it down. I want you to meditate on these three things. See, in Luke 6, 47, he says, everyone who comes to me. So let's begin there. The first thing to hear the voice of the Lord and to obey him is that you have to come to Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. 30, then, is, is, is the important text for that. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and what? Burden. And I will give you what? Rest. Ooh, let that sink in right there. Come on. Come on, let, 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 let that marinate right there. He says, come out to me, all he that are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So when you talk to people who are in attention, the first thing you tell them, come to Jesus. I know you're in this tension, but come to Jesus. If you want your confidence built, come to Jesus because you are weary and you are burdened. Your family's telling you one thing. Your friend's telling you something else. Your employer's telling you something else. There's so much confusion. But the answer from the church is this. Come to Jesus, those who are weary and heavy laden. 
I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. I know it's like to live in the tension. I I know what it's like. Come on, to be criticized. I know what it's like to be persecuted. I know what it's like to live in this tension. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what rests for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to Jesus. When you have no idea what to do, come to Jesus. Come and find rest for your soul. People that are battling anxiety and high blood pressure and all those things. What a message they need to hear right now. Come to Jesus and find rest for your soul. Oh, that is so good. That is so good. Come to Jesus. The second thing, if you want to hear the voice of the Lord and be obedient and to be able to say that he's Lord of your life, the second thing, you have to listen to Jesus' teaching. Luke 10, 38 and 39. If you want to write that down, I encourage you to do that. Listen to Jesus' teaching. So you can't listen until you come. You got to come to Jesus. Now, pastor, I got a friend. I'm trying to invite them to church. Pastor, I got a friend, and I'm trying to tell them to come to Jesus. And so why, why the struggle? And so Isaiah puts it this way. Come, let's reason together. Come, let's reason together. Let, let's talk about it. You can tell people, hey, come to Jesus and have a talk with Jesus. Let him talk about it with you. But when you come to Jesus, the second thing you have to do now, you have to listen to Jesus. You have to listen to his teaching. Luke 10, 38, 39. He says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. What did Martha do? She welcomed him into her house. Verse 39, though, is where it says, and she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. See the difference? One says, you're welcome into this house. The other one says, I'm going to lay at your feet. God, I'm going to come to church on Sunday, but maybe not laying at his feet. And what he's saying is this, is that you welcome him into your heart, but now lay at his feet and let him teach you. Let him teach you because there's so much deception that's out there. There's so many antichrists out there that we got to get to a place where we lay at his feet and we listen to his teaching. Are you with me, somebody? Because Jesus is teaching his truth. Who you been listening to? Mm, come on. Oh, that's a good question right there. Who you been listening to? To reach a conclusion, who you been listening to? Who's been feeding your mind? Who's been feeding your fear? That's even worse. Who's feeding your anxiety? Come on. Who have you been listening to? That's talked you out of God's promises. Who have you been listening to? First question God asked, who told you, Adam, that you were naked? Who were you listening to? 
This is such a good word right now. My God, that's a good parenting word right there. When your kids come to you, you've got to realize, ask them the question, who have you been listening to? Because your behavior doesn't measure the belief I've been trying to teach you. And so the reason why you're not obedient is because you don't understand truth and love. Come on, somebody. If you understood truth and love, you would be able then to recognize this. That behavior doesn't match the belief. You're a child of God. And that behavior doesn't reflect it. Who you've been listening to. And number three, we come to Jesus. We listen to his teaching. Number three is we do what Jesus tells us. John chapter 10, verse 27. Write it down. I encourage you to do that as well. John 10, verse 27. This is where it is right here. This is the launch. This is the launch. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My Jesus, I love you. My Jesus, I need you. My Jesus, you are awesome. Here's Andrew Murray in a quote. He says, just as a servant knows that he must first obey his master in all things, so the surrender to obedience, unquestionable obedience, must become the essential characteristics of our lives. So here, church, is why we must be consistent. It doesn't matter what's going to hit us in 2022 or 2023. We have a foundation of how we assess every single life issue and every tension. We don't change because the wind of the current or the wind of the culture changes. No, no, no. Nobody can have confidence in that. What we do is this, is that we believe, we believe, we believe that God is good. And all things work together for good to those that love God, called the core's purpose. With every, bow, every head bowed, every eyes closed, you're living in attention. And the days and weeks to come is going to prove that. You're going to be challenged on every level, on every front. You're going to be challenged economically. You're going to be challenged politically. You're going to be challenged religiously. You're going to be challenged on every front. You're going to be challenged at home. You're going to be challenged with people that love you. But because of the decision you're about to make, they're going to either leave you or they're going to try to inflict pain on you. You are going through a storm. Are you hearing me, church? That you are going to go through a place where your obedience has to be manifest. If you call him Lord, then he has to be Lord of all your life. And Jesus is reminding you this morning that he's building his church and he is building your life where are you on the scale of obedience do you need to come to jesus are you overwhelmed are you losing friends because of your position are people just not getting it have you said something that came out the wrong way have Is there a relationship thing? Is is there something that's going on that's causing you to be so weary and heavy laden? You need to come to Jesus. 
Do you understand why now we just can't have a song service? Do you now understand in the moments I've taken, these, these 45, 50 minutes that I've taken to preach the gospel, that why we can no longer have song service? Can someone please come in agreement with that? Because we need more than just a song service. I've got some burdens. I've got some issues. I've got things I'm facing. And I need a worship experience because he's building my life. I have decisions to make. And in the tension of my decision, I can't just sing a popular song. I need to sing a song of worship. Are you at the place where you need to listen to his teaching? Is there a belief that you've held for so long that that you need to change? Is, 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 there, is there some philosophy that you've held onto for so long that you need to sit at the feet of Jesus and let him pour into you so you can now have the confidence to be able to say, yes, Lord. Is that where you are? Or are you at the place now where he says, I hear your voice, Lord. Give me the courage to follow you, to do what you told me to do. Have the confidence. Now, my, now let, me, let, 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 me, let me leave you with this. If you came to know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, you went through all three of these things. A disciple did. A disciple. See, See, you could have just come to Jesus because someone said come to Jesus and because of guilt or whatever you came, but you never sat at his feet to listen to his teaching. You went back and all you did was come to Jesus. And because you have a need, you come to Jesus. So God, fill this need. And that's all we did was for him to fill this need. Guess what? Jesus is not your sugar daddy. He's not your BFF. Someone needs to hear that. He's not your sugar daddy. Come on. He's not some genie in a bottle. Come on. He has promises, but he's not some genie that you can rub it this way and rub his tummy and do this and he answers you. No, no, no. Jesus is not your BFF. Jesus is the boss. Jesus calls the shots. Come on, somebody. Jesus is the one that says this is how things are supposed to work out. Jesus is the one that makes the decision. I wish I had a church this morning. Come on. That knows what it's like when the undercover boss shows up. Come on. Yeah, he's the boss. He's the boss. He's the boss. Come on, somebody. He comes to your workplace. He's the boss. He comes to your house. He's the boss. Come on. He goes into the hallway of Congress. He is the boss. Come on. One of the questions they ask for the civic exam is this. How many senators are there? <laughs> ah! And I'm going to tell you. Jesus is the boss of every single one of those 100 senators. Come on, somebody. He's the boss. Hallelujah. He's the boss. Come on, somebody. He don't debate it. He's the boss. I wish I had someone want to stand to their feet and says, God, you're the boss of my life. Build me. Build me. Build me, Jesus. Build my life on this firm foundation. Build my life with praise. Build my life, Jesus. Hey. Lift up your voice, everybody. Lift up your voice, everybody. And say, build me, Jesus. Build me, Jesus. Build me, Jesus. Build me, Jesus.
build me, Jesus. This nation needs me. This nation needs my voice. Because I know the voice of the Lord. Oh God, this nation needs the voice of the church. God, this nation needs your voice. Yes. For from you are all kings, and to you are all things. Come on, yes. Come on, yes. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. You deserve the glory. Come on, one more time, one more time, one more time. You are worthy of it all. Singing over this nation for the weeks to come. Come on. You are worthy. Yes, Jesus. We unify. We come together, Jesus. Build your church. Build your church, oh God. One body, one Lord, one baptism, one boss. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's worthy of it all. Yes. Come on. Yes. Come on and to you. Come on. You deserve the glory. Yes. He's worthy. Now give him the glory. He's building. Give him the glory. Let him build you. Let him build you. Let him build you. Let him build you. You feel the tension, but give him praise. You feel the tension, but give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. I feel the tension, Lord. But all things work together for good. All things work together for good. All things work together for good. I'll obey you, Jesus. I'll obey you. I obey you, Jesus. Yes. designer come on he's got the blueprints he knows what he's doing he knows what he's doing yes Jesus now to the church in America God has not forsaken you God has not forgotten you God knows exactly what he's doing 
God knows exactly what he's doing. He hasn't changed. He's the same God yesterday, today and forevermore. And so the tension that you're feeling, come to me. The tension that you're feeling, listen to me. The tension that you're feeling, obey me. Do what I tell you. Hear my voice. Because as I build my church, I'm building your life. You deserve the glory. Father, we thank you so much. We praise you and we glorify you. And we magnify you and we thank you. Lord, be with your people. Here's my final, here's my final statement. Listen, listen, this week people are going to walk up to you and if you be bold to to walk up to them, if, if, if they make eye contact with you, go up to them and say, I know we're living in a confused world. And I know that we're living in a conflicted society. And I know there's challenges at your home. But I want to let you know that God is still on the throne. And in the midst of your tension, trust God. And walk away unless the Lord tells you any more to say. Just tell him, trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God with your life. Trust God. Oh, my God, I see that right now. Come on, come on, come on. There's people living in tension. They don't know who to believe. They don't know what to believe. They need someone to walk up to them and says, trust God. 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 Father, we thank you for the assignment. And we honor and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen.